done before? I did, all, like all the time when I was a kid. I, I would be like you are. I would be in church or some place where I wasn't allowed to make any sound. And uh, my dad would lean over and go, shh. It happened almost every Sunday. My brother and I would be sitting on the church pew. The pastor would be preaching and we would be fumbling around with our papers or playing a game. And my dad would look over to us and say, if we did not respond to my dad's then there was this progression that would take place. My dad might breathe heavy through his nose and with clenched jaw look at us again and say, shh. If that didn't work, my dad would take it one step further and, and we would experience the knee squeeze. I don't know if you've experienced the knee squeeze before, but dad would reach over and grab my knee and squeeze it. But he wanted to be firm enough that I knew he meant business. But if he squeezed me too hard, I would squeal, which would defeat the whole purpose of him shooting me. Right? So this is, this is my childhood. Uh, time after time, my parents would shh my brother and I. Uh, do you know that there is a character in the Bible uh, that God essentially shh for nine months? His name is Zechariah, and I want to talk to you about him today. The story is recorded in Luke chapter 1, and so if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn with me there. Zechariah was a priest. He was a godly man. He was a man who uh, knew and loved God and worshipped him. Uh, he was married to a godly woman, Elizabeth. And uh, Zechariah went into the temple one day to light some incense to the Lord. It was a big deal for him to be able to do this. And the angel Gabriel uh, revealed himself to John. John, not exactly knowing what to do or how to uh, respond, is a little taken aback by the message that angel Gabriel shares with him. Uh, Gabriel tells him, you and your wife in her old age are going to have a child and he's going to be uh, one special boy. He essentially is going to live his life to point other people to Jesus. John, or Zachariah, when he heard this news, he didn't believe. He, he, he considered where he was in life. He uh, remembered how old he was, how mature his wife was. He knew that she had been barren, and he thought to himself, there's no way uh, that this is going to happen. Because Zechariah uh, lacked faith and questioned uh, the message from the angel Gabriel, uh, Zechariah, for nine months, was silenced. Can you imagine what that would be like? And not being able to speak, to communicate with the people that you know and love for nine months. What would you say? What would you say uh, the moment your lips or your tongue was loosed and you could speak again? I might ask, like, uh, what was that all about? Really? Nine months. Um, you have an explanation for me? I, I might have questioned the Lord. I might have wondered what he was up to or what he was doing. Uh, this is how Zechariah responds uh, after John is born and he writes his name on a tablet and his uh, tongue is loosed. He says in verse tw uh, 68 of Luke chapter 1, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant 
David. Zechariah points out three things in these two verses. He notes that God first has visited us in his son Jesus. God has visited us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Who here loves having company for Christmas? Let me just say, if you have company for Christmas currently, who is here this morning, please raise your hand. Yeah. Like, do you like having company for Christmas? Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Like, we joke sometimes, like, oh, the in-laws are in town. Like, they're staying a company three days after a while. We kid about company, but when you think about it, it's high praise when someone is willing uh, to leave a place that is comfortable for them to be with you. I mean, think about it. They leave the creature comforts from back home and they drive across town or across the state or they hop on a plane and uh, fly across the world and they say, you are important enough to us that we want to be with you. Scripture teaches us that God and Christ left the halls of heaven for the walls of he is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't it amazing to you that the God of the universe uh, would love us so much that he would be willing uh, to come and spend time with us? Uh, this is what is unique, by the way, to Christianity. Uh, all world religions has us working our way up to God. And if we're obedient enough, if we're loving enough, if we're generous enough, we somehow could earn the favor of the God who made us. But Christianity is unique in the sense that God came down to us, and he did so in the person of Jesus. God has visited us. It's amazing when you look at current statistics that loneliness in our world is on the rise. you ever feel lonely before? You feel like you're not known you're not loved, when it's quiet in your home or late at night or even in a room full of people. Have you ever felt lonely? According to a 2018 survey from The Economist and the Kaiser Family Foundation, more than two adults, uh, two out of ten adults, say they feel lonely all of the time. 20% of the population, all the time. A survey in 2018 uh, that was done by the Cigna uh, Foundation or Cigna survey revealed that half of Americans uh, sometimes or always feel alone or left out, 46, 47%. 54% say they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. So just think about that for a second. Even in a group like this, roughly 50% would maybe have the courage to admit, you know what, I feel alone. I feel as if I am not known. So one of the beautiful things about Christmas is that God has drawn near to us. In our, our loneliness, he has come to us in the person of Jesus. That's why the psalmist writes, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. It is good to be near God. So God is with us. God is with you uh, right now in your celebration, in your rejoicing, in your hope. Uh, God is with you. And uh, in your depression, and in, in your despondency, and in, in your disappointment, your sadness, your loss, your loneliness, 
God is with you. God is with us. He has visited us. Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us. But he didn't simply come to, sim to sit with us. He, he does do that. Uh, he is with us. But Jesus acclaimed, uh, came with a plan and a purpose in mind. Zechariah says, For he has visited and redeemed his people. Not only does God in Christ visit us, but he has come to redeem us. To redeem means to purchase back something that had been lost by a payment of a ransom. Right? It has this idea to, to buy out or to buy back. There are numerous passages in the New Testament that talk about God's work of redemption for us. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Uh, Paul, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, in Ephesians 1, 7, says, In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according uh, to his riches. And so God has visited us. He has uh, come to us, but he came to us to uh, redeem us. Now, I know that concept, that idea of redemption is probably something that we don't think a whole lot about as the people, like on a Tuesday afternoon or early on a Thursday morning. Maybe you don't think about uh, the, the, the impact or the influence that God's redemption has on your uh, life. But if you were to look at the New Testament, the, the application of God's redemption for you and for me is rich. And because God has redeemed us, we've experienced forgiveness. And God, God no longer counts our sins against us. He, he doesn't speak to us and say, oh, remember when, or I haven't forgotten the time. God has forgiven us because of uh, redemption. We are righteous, not because we earn something from God, but because God has given us the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, redemption teaches us that we are free from God's law. We're adopted into his family. We are delivered from the bondage of sin. We have peace with God. This last week when I was thinking about the fruits of redemption in our life, I thought about that, you know that little Christmas gift that you open up, that little wooden little thing where you open it up and there's another one inside, what are those called? And then you open it up and there's another one, what are those called? Dude, one person at a time. I can't what is that? Oh, nesting dolls! Yes, I probably should research this before I start talking about it. Uh, like the little nesting dolls, like you open it up and there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one. I feel like this is how God works in the lives of his people. He's like, look, here's, a, here's another benefit, and another benefit, and another benefit. It just goes on and on and on. God has visited us in Jesus. He has uh, redeemed us. And lastly, we are taught that God has raised uh, us up a strong salvation, that God has saved us. Look at verse 69. And it says, and God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. You, you would think that news of salvation would, would be good news. But if someone said, I have good news for you, I have come to rescue you. There are certain situations in life where that comes as good news. If you are uh, stranded on the side of the road uh, in the middle of nowhere and someone shows up and is like, hey, I've, I've come to rescue you. You would be like, all right, 
like I am for that. That's, that's good news. If you were in financially a difficult situation that you couldn't dig yourself out of, and someone rather wealthy came alongside of you and said, I, I am here uh, to rescue you from your debt. Uh, I will pay all your bills, and I will give you spending money. Like, that would be received as good news for you. You would be like, man, I am, I am for salvation. But there's, there's something about salvation that can feel at times a little abrasive to us, right? I mean, if someone came up to you as a, as a young mom or a young dad and said, hey, I, I noticed how you were raising your children. You have a lot of work to do. And I was wondering if I could take you out to coffee so we could just review some of the things that I've seen. Uh, you might think to them, no. Right? If someone saw you interacting with your spouse, and instead, I, I noticed how you're, you're talking to your husband or to your wife. You clearly have significant problems that you can't fix on your own. I would like to help you. Uh, you might think to yourself, no. If someone said, I, I've noticed how you spend your money. I've been watching now for years. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, I thought that I could take you out and, and talk to you about a better way to manage your finances. You probably would say, why don't you come close so I can punch you in the throat? Right? That would not be well received. Right? But, but yet scripture teaches us that we face the problem uh, that we could not fix. And God sent Jesus to save us or uh, to rescue uh, scripture says that he raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David. A, a horn of salvation. Have you ever thought about that idea before the horn of salvation? Admittedly, when I read that, I go, what, what does that mean? Like, we don't typically talk like that. What does it mean to raise up a horn of salvation? And then it, it came to me in the most unexpected way. Uh, you see, every year my uh, parents, specifically my mother, uh, will send Christmas ornaments to my children. Uh, and she sends nice Christmas ornaments. If you were to look at her tree, you, I assure you, you would be impressed. Uh, you would know that I did not buy them. Every year she sends all three of our children a Christmas ornament. Um, in the past, she sent Santa Claus, a little Santa Claus Christmas ornament. I mean, that, that's a nice Christmas ornament. Uh, she sent these two little white uh, doves, two little white birds years ago. They still nestle into our tree even to this day. Um, she has sent us uh, more Santa Claus Christmas ornaments. Uh, there's that. I mean, that's kind of cute. So this year, you know, the kids are looking forward to receiving their Christmas ornaments uh, from their grandmother. And sure enough, the box came in uh, the mail and they opened them up. And there was a, a Christmas ornament, a Tom and Jerry Christmas ornament, which is a little old school. I kind of like that. It's from my past. Uh, my mom sent uh, my middle son, Noah, who plays the trombone. She sent him a, a, a little figurine of a, of a boy with a trumpet. And I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense. Uh, she sent Caitlin, our oldest, uh, uh, a Christmas ornament with, with like a bunch of books, like seven or eight stacked books. I don't know why she sent that one. <laughs> He's, he's smart, he's smart, but he just doesn't love to read. Uh, but, but, it was, but it was cute, and then, uh, and then she sent us another box, like another Christmas ornament. And I'm like, oh boy, like what, what could this be? And we opened it up, we opened up the box, we pulled out the wrapping, and just like this, and 
And this is what we found. Scripture teaches us that, that God is just. He's a just God. 
so he can't ignore our sin or pass over our sin or simply sweep it under the rug. It must be dealt with, but God is also gracious and he's merciful and he's good. And so he sent Jesus, fully God and fully man, to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the penalty that belonged to you and to me, and it was placed upon his shoulders. And when Jesus was buried, Scripture teaches that he rose again three days later. He defeated death, and he offers to you and me life through faith. There's never been a point in time in your life when God has opened your eyes to the beauty of the gospel. I pray that today might be that day you would see your need for a Savior, and that by faith you would trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins.